0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: At the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and a special welcome to the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, please sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I will also open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. And then following the show, you can continue this discussion on AfroGenius.com and research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page. In fact, Please like both pages. Well, Margot Lee Williams will share her research and journey to gain designation of the first African-American site, Strebe Congregational United Church of Christ, by the Randolph County, North Carolina Historical Preservation Commission for Cultural Heritage Sites. Margot developed an interest in genealogy early in life, and in the 30-plus years since, she has researched and written extensively on her family, including her published book, Miles Lassiter, an early African-American Quaker from Lassiter Mill, Randolph County, North Carolina. She was actually on my show in 2012 right after her book came out. So I hope that all of you will tune in and listen to her discussion of her research on Miles Lassiter. Margo is a well-known lecturer for the Family History Centers of the LDS Church in Washington, D.C. area and a former editor of the Journal of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society. And through her private research company, Personal Prologue, has developed expertise in identifying heirs for interstate probates. She is currently a National Veterans Service Officer with Vietnam Veterans of America. So let me give a warm welcome and a welcome back to Margot Lee Williams to research at the National Archives and beyond. Welcome, Margot. Well, thank you, Bernice. It's great to be back. Well, I am so. I'm. It's just wonderful to have you back. And Margot, this is a topic that I'm sure we all are very curious about. So, what does it mean to have a site designated as a cultural heritage site?
0: Well, as it happens, this is a unique category that
1: Randolph County, North Carolina. We've just lost Margot, and I will bring her back on. So while we're waiting for her to come back on, I'm going to play a little music, and she will be on. problems and it looks like that's what's going on right now so i am continuing to look for margo well in the meantime let me just share with you all some ideas that i've been kicking around for a new show and it's Hello. on oh i have her okay margo we lost you yeah but i'm so glad to have you back on so as you were beginning to share with us what it means to have a site designated as a cultural heritage site. I think we yes. missed your answer.
0: Yes, it is um it is different than historic, a being designated a a site for historic preservation. Uh it, Randolph County realized that many times people have um a site where something historic has happened but all of the original property items do not exist any longer, and that was the case with Streedy. The original church doesn't exist any longer. There is a church, a modern church, on the same site, and the cemetery is still there. The school building is gone, but the property itself still is the original property, the original six acres that was purchased to build the church. So they said, you can't qualify for historic preservation because that would mean that the original historic building was there. Yet we want to recognize that something very important in terms of heritage and around the culture of the community. And so they came up with a category called cultural heritage sites, and they those aren't just cemeteries or buildings. They can actually include natural locations that have been significant to the community.
1: Oh, I like that because, I mean, so many of the the dwellings, as you've mentioned, may not be there, but there was something there at one time, exactly. and it was significant to the community. So a cultural heritage site would be the next uh, type of designation very exactly. interesting so and it 's wonderful us... because not many not many
0: places have actually um, provided for that contingency. Most places you have to have the original building, but in this case they they recognize the importance of the site without having the original building
1: there, right, but I can imagine what type of research you have to go through just to prove uh that this uh site was. Of significance in the community so just give us some more background information tell us about Randolph County North Carolina well
0: Randolph County is just south of Guilford County the county seat of Guilford most people have heard of Greensboro and um, just south of there in fact Guilford County was divided in half and the southern half became Randolph County Randolph County is like much of North Carolina. It is um, it's a farming county, largely, although, you know, as time goes by, less and less so, the, the towns and the cities have grown and become more urban. But it is still primarily a farming community. Uh, it's in the Piedmont, so we have low mountains, um, beautiful rivers, and... Um, it is Randolph County is home to a number of things that people would be familiar with, and most notably, Richard Petty, the NASCAR race driver, who was so well known in the 50s, um, 60s, and, and early 70s. He's retired now, but there is a museum there. Uh, oh, he's from okay. that county, and he ha- yes. and there is a museum there. And Ashboro, the county seat, which is the closest. Uh, town to Streeby, or city to Streeby, and Streeby is actually considered um, in terms of corporate identity. It's part of uh, extended Asheboro. Asheboro is now home to the North Carolina Zoo, and the North Carolina Zoo has, ha, is a zoo built around habitats and uh, as opposed to cages, and so um, a great deal of research is being done there, and it has it developed a, a very good reputation both nationally and internationally.
1: Oh, okay. So just help us begin to understand where when did you start your research on this site and just take us through kind of your journey. Who resided there? Well, in terms of my research,
0: um it was really a part of an extended part of the original story on Miles Lassiter since as I uh, as I note in the in the book uh on Miles Lassiter okay. that family members continue to live there but most of the family members now, rather than being Quaker are actually members of Streeby. That has become our family historic church, the the church for uh that we consider to be our church, um not just the Lassiters but other families that lived in the area.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: uh, it, it was difficult to do anything past miles. Once you got to the next generation, you were already one generation out of slavery time period, out of the Civil War time period. You were you were now talking about Strevey if you were talking about the families in in that part of um, Randolph County, southwestern Randolph County. There are some other churches too, but in that particular area around the Uari River, and what was called the Lasseter Mill area which was built around a Lassiter, a mill owned by the Lasseters at least for a part of its history and the the church that became best known in that area for the African American community was Streeby Church it was founded by um the church itself was founded by a man who was a former slave in Randolph County and who had gone away had come to walk to Washington DC in fact and had attended Howard University the normal school and received his certificate as a teacher and while he was here he'd written poems and when he arrived he couldn't read or write and within a couple of years he was he was writing and selling his poetry on the streets to raise money then he went on to New Jersey where he became he attended the New Brunswick Theological Seminary which is still a functioning seminary. He was the second African American to graduate from that seminary and um turned down a lucrative position it's it's told there in New Jersey to return to Randolph County so that he could work among the people that he knew there. And he came back under the auspices of the American Missionary Association. Came back to southwestern Randolph County to an area really sort of tucked away um way down uh, almost like a holler and uh to an area where his sister was actually living because she'd married a man named um Emsley Hill and uh the the Hills lived down there and he went down there and he that's
1: where he planted the church okay but that uh, but I'm going to go back and ask you some timelines because sure. because we're talking about Strivey Church, mm-hmm. and he was it was founded by a former slave. So mm-hmm. give us the time period. When did this happen? Sure, he returned to Strivey, or excuse me, to what was called Hilltown actually. Hilltown. He returned okay. Returned to
0: Hilltown um, in about eighteen seventy nine. Right after graduation, he graduated from New Brunswick in eighteen seventy nine. And he came to Streeby, and you can find him there in the 1880 census, living in his sister's household.
1: Listed okay. As an, and okay. And the church, he,
0: he apparently acquired the, according to the deeds, he acquired the, the property, the six acres for the church in in 1880, uh, and it was called the First Congregational Church of Randolph County. It wasn't called Streeby then. Okay, Congregational Church of Randolph County. And over and he, in addition to building the church, he started a school. And he had met a woman named Eleonora Walden, um, not to our knowledge, not related to any of the Waldens in that area of North Carolina, but by the same name in New Jersey. And he... I gather they had fallen in love, and he went back to New Jersey, married her, and she returned with him to become the first school principal at at um, at the school at the church. And in that went on until around 1883. So many people had come to. Uh, set up homes there. Many of them had married members of the Hill family, but many other families were now moving into the area because of the school and the church, and they were able to send their children to school. And there was there was good work there too. Uh, in addition to farming, there were also uh, gold mines and a federal distillery. And so, oh. was, and and there uh, and there still are um, uh, lumber yards. And so there were sawmills and and so forth. So there there was good work in the area,
1: and Mm -hmm. so people
0: came there. But the church, really the church and the school were the attraction because they all clustered right around the church, and the school literally built a little village
1: in a complete circle around the church property. Okay, and so what? What when you talk about they they came and the community was growing because of the school and the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. What was the population like uh, around uh, 1883? Around a- 1883, the population
0: um, in Strebe was around, uh, or in Hilltown, because as I say, they really referred to it as Hilltown at that point as opposed to streeby um and I'll explain that in a moment but in 1880 okay. in 1880 in um and I'm trying to get the right numbers for you in 1880 and this was about 60 people in that area with another uh 60 to 80 people living uh slightly spread out from there in in another um actually what they call another township but you wouldn't it's within a half mile in around them. So there was a hundred and forty a good hundred and forty people around around the church in the area that would be served by the church. Right. Okay. So that's a pretty significant number for a rural and it is still rural very areas. rural there.
1: Right now, when you you started telling us about he and he went to college and he came back. That's who the, is Reverend the, he? <laughs> okay. yes. the Reverend Isley Walden. Okay. The Reverend Isley Walden, who was the founding minister. Yes. The re- now is the Reverend Alfred Isley Walden uh, related to you? No, he's not directly related to me. No. Okay. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of the driving force Uh, and getting the first congregational church in Randolph County started. That's right. Okay, so now that the church is there, just give Mm -hmm. us a little bit more history about the church itself.
0: Well, as as noted, it was associated with the um, congregational churches at the time. The congregational churches were among, uh, next to the Quakers and Wesleyan Methodists were among those in the forefront of the anti-slavery movement.
1: They okay. were,
0: mm-hmm. um, they were particularly interested in education, and even before the Civil War, they had been going into communities and working to uh, build schools and to teach uh the free African Americans in the various um uh, states in states, counties, areas in the south. So this had always been something very important. So the idea and that was part of why I assume he became associated with the American Missionary Association was the outreach arm of the Congregational Church. And so I assume I can assume since education was something that he he valued greatly Uh, from the things that he's written uh, associated with his poems and the things that are written when he's written short biographies about himself in the introduction of the poems, Um, he speaks of education as being extremely important. So coming back and bringing education and the American Missionary Association, as I said, was really instrumental in bringing schools to the free African American community before the Civil War, but into the post um the the freed communities after the Civil War, they were very instrumental and uh, names that people would recognize would be Fisk University and Hampton Institute and now University and um talladega there There were a number of places that are associated with the congregational with that with that background
1: mhm. Well, you know, I mean, it's really great to, to hear the background, but I want to take everybody back to the whole cultural uh, designation site because what, you're, what you told us in the beginning is that we're not talking about a facility, we're talking uh-huh. about a site. So yes. help us understand now, how do you go about getting this designated?
0: Well, you have to demonstrate the historical cultural importance of that community. And that, that is part of what's happened, is that a church was founded there, a school was founded there, and it began to grow. And so by 1920, uh, by 1900, actually, there were about 200 people in, involved, African-Americans, living close to the church and school and sending their children to school. hmm and um now school you have to understand in that time period doesn't mean school like we think of it school right. for everybody no matter who was running the school rarely lasted more than 3 or 4 months a year so we're uh-huh. not it's not a, what we think of now in terms of going to school but it was still significant
1: because yes. it
0: meant that people had an opportunity to learn to read and write which of course was right. deprived of the community prior to the civil war so it was very prized Mm-hmm. Um the church was very active in um the wider church life you can read in the in the magazine that was published called the American Missionary you can read um accounts of the church from that community sending delegates to conferences to uh, regional conferences and other places in North Carolina they would walk and ride for days in order to get there and and to participate. So being active in the church community was important to them right from the beginning. And the community grew enough that in 1883 he began to apply to the federal government to have a post office designated for the community. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, they drove about five to six miles to the nearest post office, which doesn't sound like much today, but at that time was a fair drive. Yeah, and that was a big deal. And sometimes sometimes people had to walk, so that was a fair distance. And there were enough people now living in that community, which was at that point referred to either as Lasseter Mill after the Mill or Hilltown because of the large number of family members living there, extended mm-hmm. family members living there, um, that he was able to convince the U.S. government to designate a post office for that community. And they had a small store. And at that point, they named the community and the church Strebe after Dr., I believe it's Michael Strebe, who was the corresponding secretary of the American Missionary Association and who was considered a driving force behind the educational movement um, in the American Missionary Association at the time. He said he was very instrumental in, in the founding of Fisk University, for instance. And, oh, and while there's okay. no evidence that he came to Streeby, I am uh-huh. I feel certain that um, uh, Reverend Walden um, had at least some correspondence with him. I've not been able to get into that level of, of um letters in the Ameri- in the um, congregational church in the united church of christ history um in their archives to to kind of thumb through and see if i can find even one letter from from walden but i i suspect if he didn't have a direct contact he certainly knew who he was and admired him greatly and for mm-hmm. that reason he named the he named the church at that point streeby sadly in 1880, in february of 1884 um just as reports of the, this wonderful new post office were were being um, spread about in the American missionary, he died of, they said acute bronchitis. I suspect it was really pneumonia. But anyway, mm-hmm. he died in 1884. He was just about 40 years old, 38, 40 years old.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Well, we're going to take a quick break because I want you to come back, and we are going to talk about exactly how did you go about getting this cultural heritage site designation we want to know about the application process and everything that has to go into that um, designation so quick break and we'll be right back All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded through Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. You can also find the archived shows on my website, Jeannie B Roots, and on again iTunes. So I'm going to turn this program back to Margot Lee Williams because Margot has been sharing with us all the information that we need to understand about Strebee Congregational United Church of Christ and how it became a cultural heritage site. Now, Margot, I want to start off with there is a question from the chat room. And they would like to know how long did the process take and what, what the status actually means. Does it keep the site from being destroyed? And I think you kind of answered that in the beginning when you shared with us what a cultural heritage site meant as as, um, opposed to a historical site. So go back and just tell the the audience, some of the people are just coming on, exactly what the cultural heritage site means.
0: The cultural heritage site... Means that it is a site recognized for its deep historic significance and cultural impact on the community, but there is not necessarily an individual building extant that goes back to that historic time period. So, in this case, for instance, our original church and original school building.
1: Okay, we've just lost Margot. Hold on, Margot. Are you on? Uh, we've just lost Margo. Margo? Okay, I'm going to call Margo back, and while I'm calling Margo back, I don't know what's happening with her mom. Okay, Margo, you're yes. back on again, and oh, oh yes, she's back on, everybody, and she was giving us a little, we we picked up some of your information, so we'll just go back over and, and say what you sure. were just saying, Margo. That a cultural heritage site does
0: not necessarily mean that an original building is still there. In our case, the original church building and the original school building do not exist. There is a contemporary church building and the original cemetery but it is on the original six-acre plot that was purchased for the church in 1880. Uh, The cultural heritage site designation will not protect the site against uh, being uh, destroyed at any time in the future that we no longer own that property. However, it will still maintain that designation no matter what's built on that site or not built on that site. So it's independent of what's physically there. It uh-huh. simply marks that site as, you know, once upon a time, something very important happened here.
1: The history, oh, okay. So is there a sign of something that states that the yes, church was? There, sta- there will be, oh,
0: okay. you know, one of those historical markers up on the yes. little legs, you know, that everybody, yes, they're, we, they're in the process of of putting that up. And, all of our information, including the document that was used to provide the background and the history and the pictures of the church site and so forth, are all on the county website, on the historic, the County Historic Preservation Commission website. where where it says cultural heritage site, if you click on that, it lists all the different sites that have been so designated, and ours is there. You click on that and open it up, and you'll see all the pictures. You can see all the documentation and the history
1: and everything is
0: there, and that will remain.
1: Okay, yes, so really probably all of us, uh have a site that we could probably go and find the the history and the background but this is what people need to understand there is a process that you had to go through so yes. tell us yes. what did you have to go through to get this designation you have to provide a detailed historical um
0: narrative of the site including detailed or, or yes, um, references. So you have to show the documents, the, the um, primary documents or secondary documents, and or. Um, but you have to have everything uh, footnoted. You have to have all the references. You have to have. Um, you have to have pictures of of the site as it exists today. And if you have any pictures, so um, included in ours is a picture of the original church before it was destroyed. Um, but there are no pictures of the school, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And pictures around the, in our case, we took pictures around the cemetery and around the property itself. And so all of those pictures, all of the the history, and you have to include in that history why it's important as a heritage site. Yes. So my my point was with the story that um, there was great impact for this school because by 1920 the entire um, identifiable African-American community served by that church was literate, and that's pretty unusual for the time period when you're speaking mm-hmm. about a rural community. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this was the school that they were sending their children to, and the entire adult community and all children who were of school age by 1920 were in school and all adults were literate.
1: So is there a special form and they tell you what they're looking for? Yes. There is a okay. there
0: is a there is an there is a form and they ask you several questions on the form then you have to fill those in. But then there's a section where they say they want a complete history and that in this case was approximately 20-25 pages. Of detailed narrative and um, uh, and footnotes and endnotes, you know, explaining all of the research.
1: Right. I and also so, in this
0: case, I also did went through the cemetery, which um, the heads the, the the reading for the cemetery appears. You can find it on Find a Grave and and some other um, cemetery websites. But what I did for this purpose was I took that and I identified everyone buried in the cemetery and how they're related to everyone else in the cemetery basically wow
1: okay and and margo how long did it take for you to gather all of the information you said a 25 page uh document was submitted mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. uh to the committee how long did it take you to conduct all of this research well,
0: I had some small, I had some pieces of it before, some sort of basic skeleton pieces. I knew about Reverend Walden and had done some some research on him, but as you see, he had such a short life, there wasn't a lot to to put together on his life. Um, I did do some research on him as a poet and discovered that he is considered um, a prominent 19th century African-American poet. Uh, his work is included in a number of anthologies and poetry websites and um, and his books, uh, his two volumes, one called Miscellaneous Poems and the Other Sacred, um hymns is are are both now available um on Amazon when i started you couldn't find them except in special collections that weren't even necessarily in your time they didn't even have a complete copy available to the public of the library of congress which was very mm-hmm. disappointing mm-hmm. um but now the, the there has been a, a rebirth of interest in that so i had some of that information but I had to get into the school and and so forth and really learn about the history specifically of the school because I knew that what that had had. And that's what the community constantly talks about, the older members of the community, the impact of the school in their lives and the lives of the people around them. And so um, that research pretty intensively
1: for about a year and a half. And where you did, know, did you find information in the on the school? Morning and then get up and go to work. Excuse me? Oh, where did you find information on the school?
0: There are annual reports in the American Missionary uh, magazine. Okay. For schools all over the South and abroad, all of their mission schools anywhere there's a report. And so there were large numbers of reports available, now available on um on the internet and- and uh in Google books and all sorts of of places like that, so you can get access to them then there are a number of books that have been written on um the American Missionary Association itself, and so I got all of those books and poured through them and um, you know the the usual deeds and 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 local um information.
1: Mhm, and what find
0: in the in the county libraries and so forth,
1: right, and, and then picking this.
0: the brains of those who are who those who who knew about the school the the descendants of these those who attended the school, and as it happens, I had one last surviving student um who uh as it happens is a a her cousin but and she was hundred and one, and I was able to to do a more focused interview with her for this project.
1: Oh, amazing. And was she, is she still around to have seen the designation take place?
0: She was around when the designation took place, when I went um, to North Carolina to appear before the commission and defend the presentation. And she was still alive, and I was able to go back that evening and tell her that we had been given this, and she was very pleased. Unfortunately, Uh she has... Um. Sadly, I don't want to say. Unfortunately, sadly, she has um, passed on just this past a uh, little over a week ago on the nineteenth of October. We just had her funeral at the church, and she is now
1: oh. buried with the other ancestors in the cemetery. Wow! But it's just wonderful that she was there to hear you defend your um. Your application. So tell yes. us how that was. You're saying defending your application. What was that like? Well, it was
0: kind of funny because I thought I, w- you know, I was just one item on the agenda for the commission for that day, and it turned out I was the agenda for the day. Um, so they have they ask you to put together a slide presentation, and I put together the slide presentation, and they. Um, have that running, and as it runs by, you're supposed to explain what's going on, but I I know the story well enough that I really didn't pay that much attention to the slides. He just kind of kept running them, and I kept talking and saying, uh, telling the things about the history of the church and its impact on the community and how the community grew and then how the community became literate and how, you know, significant that was, and um, graduates Went on to get their own teaching certificates and come back and teach there. And it, it had a very significant
1: impact on the community. And so, uh, once you were designated, how did the community react to this designation? They were thrilled, they were very happy. They
0: were very happy, as a matter of fact, several people mentioned, because I didn't really see too many people in the community just after that. I had to leave and come back here to go to work. But um, when I was back for the funeral, and, and, uh, quite a number of people came up to me to say how pleased they were and happy to learn that, that this had happened. Um, they had read about it in the
1: newspaper, and they were really thrilled. So you did have newspaper coverage of this. So was this the first African-American uh Site designated as a cultural heritage site in Randolph County. Yes, as it turns out, it is. Wow! Congratulations, that is wonderful. But Margot, you know, I'm I'm certain that those that are listening to the show may think, "Hey, you know, I I have a story. What what should I do? Or why haven't I done the same thing?" So let's talk about perhaps why we don't have more sites designated as cultural heritage sites I
0: I think people are intimidated by the the concept of the process but the process while a bit tedious is not usually is not really what I would call intimidating. And many of us do have a lot of information already. Um, it's about organizing it and presenting it. And I think mm-hmm. I really would encourage people to do more of that, To even if they make it a group project. Take several family members or community members and get together and put the story together so that you can present it. Each community has its own process. Randolph County yes. has one process a neighboring county has a different process so you have to find out what's the process and, and what what are your possibilities, what are the things that are possible in terms of getting your community or your church or your school um, identified as a historic as having historic significance and then proceed accordingly and you, you do have to follow the guidelines so you that's going to drive your research to some extent
1: to you know, to answer the questions
0: that they have in order to meet the criteria.
1: And you know, when did you uh, actually kind of get the light bulb going and say, "Wait a minute, why don't we do this?" What kind of stimulated you to 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 take that that leap of faith and go head on and and apply? Well, I had been I had actually been looking at the historic
0: preservation um, and and had hoped that we could get the cemetery um at the very least designated partially because of Reverend Walden and his poetry. Um however there were not they told me for our cemetery we did not have enough um, cemetery markers that were his in and of themselves historic enough. Too many of our markers were contemporary or reasonably mm-hmm. contemporary and mm-hmm. so that disqualified us. So I was looking, uh, hunting around for other ways to mark our community and mark the, the school and the church and, and the cemetery and, and what happened there and um, I actually then went to State Highway Marker and for a number of reasons that didn't work out and um, and then I went back to Randolph County site and I looked at it and I said I don't see why we can't do that and another cousin also um was very interested in seeing that we we do this and um and so launched into doing it
1: yeah and i'm just wondering how many how many of us have not even considered uh applying for uh, such a designation and don't even think wait a minute this is this is a significant site. There was a significant impact that this particular site had on the people in the community, and this site historically has been around for a long time. But it's just something that we pass every day and don't even think about it.
0: As I said, I don't think people realize that they can they can do this. They need to look on their, um, their state and their county websites and just, Try and determine what would be the criteria, what do they need to do, and sometimes you have to revision what you're trying to do. I had focused in the past more on Reverend Walden himself and realized mm-hmm. that I needed to focus on the on the overall site and the and the history of all of it, not just him personally and um as significant as his story might be, it was really the impact of what he did there and and it And again, it it is rather um, interesting that he was there four years before he died. He dies in 1884, and his wife goes on to teach and to build up the school. And lo and behold, she dies in 1893, I think it is. Uh And and the school still continues to go on and and grow and develop and and. so that by the time the the cousin that, uh, as I said, just died and who was the last student there, Avis Edmondson, uh they had a school with several rooms in it uh, so that they could uh, separate the students out by grade. It wasn't just a one-room schoolhouse anymore, and they had yes. really hoped to build a high school, but unfortunately... Um, the gold mines began to close up, and people were moving out of the community or going out of the community to uh-huh. work at the mills in other towns and so that 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 kind of changed the
1: dynamic in the community somewhat right but you know i I looked at your application and it's a it's a beautiful story because uh not only are you talking about Reverend Walden, but you have the names of all the people in the community so it's not just one person but it's right. the whole community and and he as the as the leader and as you said he passed away but his wife continued you could see that the groundwork was definitely there to yes. uh, institutionalize everything about the school the church and the community and right. for you to have been able to Find the documentation and to mold this. You know, we talk about tell our story, and that's what you've done. You told the story about that community, and yes. it's something for for all of us to to take a lesson from you. And so, what recommendations would you give to others if they decided to to seek? A uh, historical site designation, a cultural uh, heritage site designation. Again, you have to find
0: out exactly what is the designation for your area, and how and what are the requirements. Then you want to take your story and mold it accordingly. And I think probably the most important thing for us to do is to tell people why our communities were important, why they were why they did succeed, and show that. One of the things I did in this was to show the changes in the census information over time, and that helped. They told me, the commission told me that that helped to make the point that this church and school was having an impact on the community because you could see it in the changes in um, in literacy over time in the census reports, and I put uh-huh. together Excel spreadsheets to to demonstrate that. So right. you have to find out what's your story, what is your story, do the research, learn as much as you can about it, and then find out what is what is it that your community wants to know, your current community, your your county preservation commission, what do they want to know, or your state preservation commission, what do they want to know about your community that would help them to understand why your community was important. Right, and just
1: to think if if we had hundreds of people doing exactly what you've done, we also have our American story
0: That's and right.
1: so it's it's just something that I mean, I'm so glad that you have come on tonight to share this with us because I hope that it will inspire others to to at least find out it It doesn't hurt to call make that phone call, find That's out. Right. What the requirements are, and exactly. then and then as you said, identify why it's important for your site to be designated, and then what is your story, and do the research. So, Margot, thank you so much. Do you have any other words of wisdom to share with us before we close out tonight?
0: Always the same. Tell your story, write it up, get it out there. Look for ways to preserve your story so that it can be part of the American fabric.
1: Thank you so very much. Well, I certainly appreciate having you come on tonight and share this with us and just keep keep talking, keep sharing, Margot, and and once again, folks, Margot's first interview on Miles Lassiter is also an archive show and so I hope that you all will also listen to that interview. So thank you so much, Margot. Well thank you, check out thank you so much. So check out my show next week. My guest is Doctor Alison Hobbs. She is the author of A Chosen Exile A History of Racial Passing in American Life. So good night, everybody, and thank you so much, Margot Lee Williams, for joining us. And remember, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and Beyond and the AfroGenius Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday morning. Thank you so much for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This show is sponsored by your host, Bernice's BBs, Genealogy and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is com. I look forward to you joining me next Thursday. Good night, everyone. Good night, marco Good night.